Hello and welcome to Bitchin', where two jaded gays talk about popular culture. I'm a Renata, Trey Taylor. <laughs> I'm newly converted LA groupie Ian David McGraw. What did you say you were? A Renata from Big Little Lies. Oh. We'll get into yeah, this I... later. But we are back after some serious copyright issues. We were <laughs> unceremoniously kicked off of SoundCloud by none other than none other than Charlie XCX. XCX. <laughs> so uh so, so yeah. the song we used without permission. We're very sorry for that. Sorry, Charlie, we didn't know you were searching your name, but apparently <laughs> that's not the case. Um, so yeah, it's been... I think we have to mention, though, that we did both go to the Charlie XCX concert and had an, an incredible time. It was a mess, but a glorious mess. It was a total mess. But speaking of concerts, so you just got back from Coachella, which was a major life event, converted you to an LA groupie. Like, what... How has your life changed, Ian, since right. we last so, spoke? So I've never actually been to L.A. Um, <gasps> until this weekend is my first time. That's kind of a scandal. I know. And so I had actually never been to Coachella either, naturally. And so every person I told was like, oh, my God, you're going to love L.A. You are so L.A. Which is a really weird thing to hear because not even a year ago, people were like, you are so not L.A. You are so New York. Like, you're going to hate L.A. So I don't know what changed in like the interim, like maybe I became a nicer person and happier. I don't know. Maybe they saw you in like your pervy train spotting yellow lens sunglasses. Probably. I love those sunglasses. I don't know why everyone hates on them. <laughs> like they're so good and they really work for me. So like what were the what were the takeaways from Coachella though? Okay, my Coachella takeaways were Coachella is very dry and dusty. It's like some people that I know. Um, Coachella is. Absolutely... What is that? Are you talking about me? No, of course not. Ian. I would never call you dry and dusty. <laughs> to your face. But we all know she is. <laughs> call me. Um, <laughs> maybe dried out and dusty. Oh, okay. Let's move on here. <laughs> Um, Coachella is definitely not worth it. I think we spent a grand total of, like, six hours at the actual festival. But we spent, like, maybe nine or ten hours trying to get to the festival. The traffic is insane. It's not worth it. Like, I wish I had just stayed in Palm Springs and... Helicoptered in. Yeah, exactly. Which is crazy, because we were actually going to take a helicopter from Los Angeles to Palm Springs. But then we couldn't figure out how we'd get a car. So that fell through. (laughs) <laughs> okay yeah i was that was a great story life. for a minute yeah um but in terms of like actual performances i really 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 loved lord like homegirl has got it all figured out like she knows how to put on a fucking show i love her kind was... of banter in between sets like i did watch a few clips where she's kind of talking yes. about like yeah the new yes. songs and stuff will for like the last three days has been repeating nothing but, like, her New Zealand accent, which is very difficult to to do. To imitate, yeah. Yeah, but, like, she was like, do you have a look in the mirror? No, that's British. That's really mm-hmm. British. I know, but she was just like, do you ever look in the mirror and, like, 
you're like, yeah, you're hot shit. And then not even a second later, you're like, oh, you ugly piece of shit. <laughs> I remember that. Oh that my ins- God, let's click the line. I, I just wrote about this. She was like, that's what inspired this next track. It's a record about all of the ups and downs of being 20 something and specifically all of the ups and downs of an evening. So we spent a lot of time going out as you do. And I was struck by the all of the facets of, of an evening, whether it's like the moment where you're, you know, with all your friends and it's sick. Everyone's there. Even that person who usually leaves, they're still there. Maybe the drugs are just kicking in, I don't know. But it's good. And then half an hour later, you could be in the bathroom, like, being like, oh my god, I look like a crime scene. But she did it with such, like, effervescence. Like, she was so... She's either faking it so well or, like, she just loves putting on a show. Like, you could tell that there was nowhere else in the entire world she wanted to be than on that stage. That's great. I'm I'm wondering, did you hear her interview with Ryan Seacrest where she talks about synesthesia and having synesthesia? Um, I don't like to talk about synesthesia. I think it's funny because, okay, so she did this interview recently with Ryan Seacrest where she talks about uh, her sound-to-color synesthesia. And for those who don't know, synesthesia is like, this condition you have where you visualize like different colors or images for like sounds or things like that. Trey, so, you don't have to explain synesthesia to the to the listeners because they've read a music interview before. They know what that shit is. Every single fucking musician has synesthesia. It's like I don't know how they manage to walk around. Like when a bus drives by, is that not music? Are they seeing yellow all the fucking time? <laughs> like what? Well, I'll tell you who has it: Kanye West, John Mayer. Dev Hines. Like, the list goes on and on. But anyway, so she's on Ryan Seacrest, and she's explaining synesthesia. And uh, we'll just play the clip, because it's hilarious. But, like, basically, they both see the days of the week in different colors. And so Ryan's like, oh, oh, I, I'm, I'm like a synesthete, too. Like, what color's Friday for you? And she's like, green. He's like, green. And then he's like, oh, my God. And then what color's, like, the weekend? She's like, brown. And she's like, oh, my God, Sundays are brown for me. Like, oh, my God. And, like, just has the same colors that she does, like, a second afterwards to kind of prove that he's, like, has synesthesia. <laughs> um, I see the days of the... I'm a visual person. Yes, days of the week. I that's, see the days yes. of the week in color. That's, so you probably have synesthesia in a small I, way. I do, because I actually have That to... was how I first knew. Yeah. I was like, doesn't everyone what? have guys, this? I'm so yeah. jealous. What I know, color, it's, it's what color cool is, uh, like, Wednesday's orange. Orange. Tuesday's what? orange for me. Really? Yes. Yeah. That's Wednesday. so funny. Am Wednesday's I being punked? Are you guys? So no, I know. What's Friday? Green. Green. Friday's green for me. Saturday can be like red, but red oh, in a hot good way. I got brown weekends. Oh, Sunday's Different brown. browns, but Sunday's brown. brown. I just refuse to believe that Ryan Seacrest sees any other color but the rainbow. <laughs> so yeah, Lord was a big highlight for you. Uh, who else did you see at Coachella? So if Lord was like, totally alive on stage and like wanted to be there more than anything lady gaga did not want to be there oh really like it was totally a fill-in her beyonce type thing it just like i could see she just seemed really frustrated like she clearly is over her old material it doesn't inspire her anymore which is fine she's matured as an artist and like joanne was so different from all of her past records that like Watching her play the old stuff just felt like she was forcing it. Mm. And in a weird way, I didn't like Joanne. It, I didn't listen to it. Um, How is that a weird way? Like, nobody liked Joanne, I thought. No, but in a weird way, that album was so perfect for Coachella. Mm-hmm. 
Like, that was a Coachella album. If she had just performed the entire album front to beginning, or front to end, it would have been perfect. And instead, she chickened out and played the old stuff because she thought that's what people wanted. Because Joanne didn't succeed in the way that maybe she had hoped. And I think it would have been... I mean, people were tweeting about it. They're like, the gays hate Joanne, they want Just Dance. They go to Coachella, they hate Just Dance, they want Joanne. It's like, I get it. I wish she had just stuck with her guns. And she fucking performed an EDM remix of A Million Reasons. Oh, no. Like, like, I just know that that's not coming from her. I don't know who on her team is pushing that, but it it can't be her. No. So, but she does have one good song. Let's talk about The Cure. Yeah, The Cure is great in the fact that it's a total sellout. And it truthfully is an amazing Katy Perry song. It is. Like, literally, Lady Gaga has not had a hit to her name for, I mean, quite some time. And although the stands will come after me for this because she has, you know, topped the charts or whatever, done millions in sales, even Joanne did really well, she has not had, like, a listenable song since uh, The Edge of Glory came out. And that's been quite some time. So for her to kind of do this, like, sellout, trop, pop uh, single, uh, I think is a great move because... A lot of people, you know, like you said, stick to their guns and uh, kind of release this like wishy-washy experimental music that nobody really wants to listen to or cares about. But Lady Gaga has come on and said like, you know what? I am going to give the fans what they want. A tune. A total bop. And that's what The Cure is. And I think that her discography can handle a track like The Cure. Like, I think that if it's good, it'll be great for her. And if it's bad, people will forget it and time will forget it. And no one will be like, oh, that was a total blemish in her career. It's a tune. It is pretty fucking good. But I will say that it is a bad imitation of a Blood Pop song. Yeah. Which is so weird because I honestly thought Blood Pop had produced it when I heard it because it, it's so clearly him. <laughs> And they're collaborators, and he worked on Joanne, so I was like, oh, cool, they must have done this on the side. But it's not. It's that DJ White Shadow who did Art Pop. Oh, that's... Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Like, what else has Blood Pop done that people would know? Um, uh, what? He did Princess Pia Mia's, like, sleeper hit Touch, which still hasn't gotten what it deserves. He did Sorry with Justin Bieber. He did, um... Uh, scared of happy with um, Fifth, Fifth Harmony. Harmony. Could, could she, she couldn't afford him. She couldn't give him throw some some cash or something. Like I don't understand. I don't know. Maybe he was itching for a cure. I know. I just I don't know. Let's have a listen gonna... to the cure and like let's see, yeah, how it stacks up. So baby, tell me yes, and I will give you everything. So baby, tell me yes. And I will be all yours tonight So baby, tell me yes And I will give you everything I will be right by your side If I can't find the cure I'll I'll fix you with my love No matter what you know I'll I'll fix you with my love And if you say you're okay I'm gonna heal you anyway Promise I'll always be there Promise I'll Is the song problematic, you think? In what way? Like, that we can't afford like, healthcare here? 
Yeah, that and like Lady Gaga thinks she can fix all my problems with just love. Like, no. <laughs> like, I'm dying here, Lady Gaga. I have a life-threatening illness. Yeah, so that was a that was a great song. I'm glad that she's back on her on her game. Got on that Clydesdale again, you know. Like, let's bring on more part uh, chart toppers. Yeah, let's go back to Coachella quickly though, because there was another incredible performance which before Lords, which was um, DJ Snake. Hell no, not DJ Snake. <laughs> so try DJ Snake was performing right next to the press tent where I would sit and charge my phone. Mm-hmm. And it was mind-numbingly awful. Like, I was assaulted with, like, 180 beats per minute. Like, it was just like, holy fuck, this is how they torture people. This is how they, <laughs> like, this is how people die. You got cancer of the ear. I did, and it just never ended. And I was like, oh, it was an assault on these senses. Oh, no. And this is the best part. I tweeted it because I was so, so frustrated. <laughs> I, I can like, see you, like, angrily tweeting from the press tent. I, I think I tweeted DJ... Oh, hell is a DJ Snake Coachella performance. Posted it, didn't think anything of it, walked away. Didn't check my phone until the next morning, and I had a bunch of, like, favorites, and one of them was DJ Snake. <laughs> but this is the best part and it doesn't surprise me and it just <laughs> confirms that I think he's probably terrible I didn't tag him he typed it into Twitter he was no. looking himself up oh like my how, god like how sad DJ Snake <laughs> he really got bit oh my oh, god that, that, was wasn't a, a that was a bad, bad pun yeah, I was gonna say his songs don't have any legs oh my god okay Ooh. slithering on okay next who else? Oh, Bon Iver and, and Now. Can we talk Ooh. about that? Yeah. Did you watch that on the live stream? Uh, no, I just like watched a clip on YouTube because somebody so, posted it. Bon Iver had a bunch of special guests. Like One was um, Amelia Meath from um, Sylvanesso. I don't know what that one... is. Oh, okay. Well, look her up. Okay. And then the other one was um, Now, which some people were pronouncing N-A-O, but I don't think that's correct. Yeah, but it was just so fucking gorgeous. Well, let's just play a snippet actually of the of the song Michigan with with now the like live version from Coachella. Actually, interestingly, and we'll talk about this more in a sec, but when Bon Iver was filming his music video for The Wolves Act 1 and 2, it was done by this uh, director named Matt Amato. And on like the first day of filming, Matt was a very close friend of Heath Ledger's and Heath Ledger died on that day. And so Matt Amato, this director and Bon Iver just had met up, like they did not know each other before. 
But Bon Iver, like, saw his phone kind of blowing up and was like, um, Matt, you have, like, 35 texts or something. And he was like, oh, what? And he went over and found out his, like, childhood friend, uh, Heath Ledger, had passed away. And yeah. so, they like, they stopped the music video shoot. And, um, yeah, Matt and Matto, like, you know, was, like, super sad about it. But Bon Iver ended up recording a, a song about Heath Ledger's death called Perth. So that's, like, the kind of story behind Boney Bear's Perth. Oh, really? Yeah, which is, like, really insane how he has, like, this weird, like, Heath Ledger connection. So there's, like, a new film uh, called I Am Heath Ledger. Or is it just I'm Heath? I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, it's, like, a documentary about um, Heath Ledger and his, like, leading up to his death, how he became this kind of, like, huge phenomenon. And, uh, like, the, the soundtrack is... Like a song by Bon Iver, basically. Oh my god. Yeah. What a full circle. It is. It really like all connects. We're all one. Ewa, ewa. Um, okay, so we need to quickly talk about the big surprise in Big Little Lies. Um, is that what's his name's dick? Didn't you say it was in it? No. No, I actually didn't see that for some reason. I was oh. looking. But anyway. No. Okay, so Big Little Lies uh, wrapped its final seventh episode, um, I think this past, what was it, past week or a week ago? I'm behind. Anyway, the point being It was two weeks ago. Okay, well, yeah, we're a little bit behind, but, you know, the gays are still talking about Big Little Lies, according to Slate.com. Anyway, um, so what I was, like, floored by is I'm not sure if you've ever seen that Christmas movie Jack Frost with Michael Keaton. Where he, yes, he dies have. and turns into the snowman. Anyway, <laughs> so the kid from that movie, Charlie Frost, who gets like bullied by the kids at school, he is none other than the barista in the local Montre Cafe who ends up dating Shailene Woodley's character in the last episode. Whoa. Oh my god. I know. I was Crazy. like... Crazy. I was like, where do I... Because literally the whole time I was watching, I was like, where where do I know this guy, Tom? Like, who's the barista? Like, where do I know him from? And it finally clicked. I was like, Jack Frost! Oh my god! My, like, one of my favorite Christmas classic movies that I watch every year. Michael Keaton's, like, finest performance. Kelly Preston's, like, highlight of her career. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, you're one of the few people I know who gets off on that kind of thing. Oh, come on. Listeners, call in if you're all so excited. About Joseph Cross? No, but the fact that like he went from Jack Frost, which was like literally the height of Christmas movies, to playing like a barista in this HBO show, which, to be honest, is a clear career jump for him. He was in Milk, so I don't know what more you want from him. I mean... <laughs> nothing more he already satisfied me with his barista attitude i mean i see some law and order episodes in here he can make me a unicorn frappuccino any day so i really want to quickly talk about there's this new collective called super organism they are a collective of eight people seven are from london one is this japanese girl who lives in maine apparently named it's Orona. willow smith it's not Willow Sweet debunk this. We didn't debunk it. Anyway, their first song was like a huge hitter, but it got removed from all streaming services after they like didn't really clear the samples they used, I guess. Anyway. What's, 
It was called Something for Your Mind, and it was like a bop. Frank Ocean played it on his Blonded radio show. Um, so it was like really making waves. Now they're back with their all new song called It's All Good. And it's such a great song. I think, like, this is my hot take here. I think Super Organism is doing gorillas better than gorillas is doing gorillas. Because I'm not sure if you've seen this, but like, gorillas has a new TV series coming out with 10 episodes. They have like every collaborator under the sun from like Vince Staples to Mavis Staples. Uh, they're doing way too much, basically. They have like, they want to do pop-up stores and all this, all this kind of thing. Um, they have like a virtual reality app or something. Basically, the new songs they've released have like not really landed for me. And Super Organism is kind of taking this like throwback gorilla sound into a new realm. They're really like pushing the sound forward. And I think we just just like quickly listen to It's All Good so you get an idea of what I'm talking about. suspicious of it but it's it's good because their last song something for your mind was also great and when you release two tracks back to back that are like really interesting then i think you're onto something and these these guys are this girl is literally in high school she wrote when she released the track this little kind of like press statement that said um I cooked up this 100% legal tune that won't be taken down this time after coming across a couple of stale procrastination memes that were circling amongst my very edgy, very angsty high school classmates on Facebook. So a girl is in high school and like making tunes. It's so cool. I know. I just don't believe it. I don't believe it. You don't think it's like not Willow Smith? Who's her seven buddies from London? Like that's pretty vague. I don't know, but I am very curious to find out. And, like, they're not doing any press, basically. So, like... That means she's already signed to a label. Well, either way, it's, like, really interesting. They've they've done it, like, in a really interesting way to kind of create this whole mystery around them. And, like, maybe it won't last long, but I think, like, if they've already caught the attention of Frank Ocean, they're really going to do well. Um, so just going back quickly, so I want to talk about the Heath Ledger documentary, which is totally scandal-free. I wasn't really convinced about it, um, but I am kind of obsessed now with Heath Ledger. Like, he had such an interesting life, and what really got me was he used to record, like, every waking moment on, like, a video camera or a film camera or Polaroids. So they had all this, like, interesting found footage of him just, like, gazing into mirrors and, like, creating little scenes with himself that he used to practice. So basically the theory is that like he was self-taught because he just learned everything 
by filming himself and like reacting to it, like watching it back and stuff and then like changing his performances. So it's quite interesting how you can see like his involvement from like a total nobody from Australia to like this huge Hollywood celebrity who is seriously talented. And I think it's quite interesting. Like everyone says that this, you know, his role as the Joker in The Dark Knight was kind of like really took it out of him because that was the kind of like towards his end of days before he overdosed on the sleeping pills he was taking. But no, the the people who are in the film, like collaborators, his dialect coach, his like family and friends, uh, all say that he was like really happy during that time. And yeah, he was having problems sleeping, but uh, he was like really throwing himself into the role, but would like go off of set and like have a laugh, you know, totally like be at ease, not like angsty or, you know, weird. So it's quite interesting. Like, it's really interesting to see. Also, he had like a house at one point in Los Angeles where he shared with like eight people, including Naomi Watts, which like I did not know that. Yeah, they lived together for some time. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. And then it talks about like how he met Michelle Williams and like it airs on Spike uh, on May the 17th. So you'll have to wait till then to see it. But uh, on Spike? On Spike. Yeah. So it's a TV documentary. Seems like such an odd station. Well, I mean, I want to see it. Mm-hmm. And you know what else comes out that I want to see? What? The Handmaid's Tale. I wish that Hulu released things like Netflix, though, so I could watch the whole season. I know. But I'm kind of glad they didn't. Like, I think it needs to be digested separately. And what's most interesting, or what I've seen around it, basically, from reading, is uh, Elizabeth Moss is the main star. But uh, not many people know that she is also a Scientologist. So it's kind of like a weird catch-22, where, like, this show about women's oppression features a woman who is oppressed by her own religion oh my god i didn't know she was a a scientologist yeah it's it's kind of like not really i mean she hasn't really spoken about it a lot but like she's definitely a scientologist and jezebel ran this like huge piece today about like why that's problematic that she's kind of like in this weird inception of being oppressed by her religion and oppressed in like the show But yeah, I really wanted to go out on this. uh, So somebody, a mystery person, um, released a a tribute, a piano tribute to Frank Ocean's Blonde. It's so listenable. And like, it's been out since March the 19th, but literally nobody's found it until like now. Um, Somebody recreated all of the songs off of Blonde in just piano and like they're so beautiful and gorgeous and it's actually a kind of like perfect listening to like put you to sleep Ooh. so it's perfect for like right before bedtime or if you like asmr you'll love blonde it's called blonde piano piano tribute to frank ocean it's on spotify apple music you just got so close to the mic that was so creepy i know but let's listen to wait pick a song off of blonde that you like and we'll play the song the piano version. Mm. Yeah. Any song. White Ferrari? Okay, let's go on White Ferrari by Blonde Piano. So make sure to t- make sure to uh, subscribe, give us a rating on iTunes, and don't forget to follow us on social media. I'm always at Trey Tyler on Twitter. And I'm at Ian David Monroe. And talk to you soon. Mm, bye! bye.
I will be right by your side.